Are you ready? It's that time! Hello and welcome to Main Buns and Jesus. This is yet another episode in season four. Don't ask me which one. They all run together at some point. I'm Pastor Ben Olschlager here in beautiful Lake Orion, Michigan, where it is currently incredibly muggy and hot. Uh, with me again, as always, is Pastor Josh Laborious, who is experiencing a little bit of the taste of home as tropical storms roll through California. Uh, we got like less than a full day of rain and almost no wind, so. That's fair. But I'm I'm sure it was still at least like, oh yeah, I remember this. The from mugginess the next Georgia. morning, I was like, oh, the air's hugging me again. Good. Yeah. 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 Are anyway. You... <laughs> what? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I already wrote down the title for this episode. It's going to be simple ones. So, okay. Well, the reason that Josh is saying that, um, for our text today, we're going to look at the end of chapter chapter one, which means I think we've now touched on everything in chapter one. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we did the beginning right. of Proverbs. We're in the book of Proverbs for yeah, yeah. Um, so from verse twenty on. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I've called and you refused to listen. I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat of the fruit of the way and have their fill of their own devices. The simple are killed by their turning away. The complacency of fools destroys them. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Josh? Ben? What are we talking about today? Uh, we're we're going to be diving into an episode, ladies and gentlemen, that we probably should have started this season with because fundamentally what, what these verses are getting at, and, and they... It, talks about them a couple different ways is kind of the 
the rationale for wisdom and uh, the kind of the call or maybe even call it a challenge to to be wise to connect with people in such a way that your wisdom grows um and a couple things that i i'm gonna put out and then ben i'd love like you can dealer's choice you can pick which one of these you want to talk about first but one of the things if, if you look at these first two verses Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Um, All of those places where it's kind of, it's illustrating wisdom being and wisdom speaking are places that are full of noise and full of distractions. And I think that is just as true today, if not more true today than it has ever been where the wise voice frequently gets drowned out and you have to be pretty intentional. That's the word I was looking for. You have to be intentional about looking for, listening for, and heeding wisdom as opposed to everything else. So that's one thing that pulls out. Um, And then later it talks about, uh, speaking from the perspective of wisdom, personified then they will call upon me i won't answer they'll seek me diligently but they won't find me because they hated knowledge and they didn't choose the fear of the lord Uh, they wouldn't have any of my counsel and they despised all my reproof and i think one of the reasons that we have this so that first thing kind of speaks to um kind of a passive resistance to wisdom in that it's not that you're rejecting it. It's just that you're not going out of your way to seek it. But then this, these verses speak more to someone who is actively rejecting or avoiding wisdom. And I, and we can dive into what that looks like and why that might be. But I do think a large kind of a catch-all for why did, why would we as people reject wisdom, reject knowledge, um, And it's because a lot of times wisdom and knowledge come with an implication or an obligation to action. Hmm. And action frequently requires, I mean, not to be redundant, but it requires action on our part or it requires change on our part. And we don't necessarily love those things. And then finally, there's some you had two. This I is said three. I had three. You... Well, if I said two earlier, and I would say we'll listen back to prove me right or wrong, but I won't. Um, I meant three. And the third yeah. is just this. Um, the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. And kind of how do we how do we deal with complacency? How do we I actually just got an email from from an organization today. I don't know if you're on their mailing list, Ben. I don't know how I got on it. Uh, half their emails go to spam at this point because I just delete them. But they talked about the the danger of apathy and how apathy is kind of always growing and apathy and complacency are, are two very closely related things. So it's interesting that I got that email today. I don't buy into most of what the email is saying, but you know, anyway. 
So where are we where do you want to head first, Ben? Mm. I think also, I want to dive back that, in. We both have collared shirts on today. That's that's a, a new one. We haven't yeah. both had collared shirts on for a while. Yeah. I could just not wear a shirt if that makes this better. It does. It very much does not. Okay. Um, (laughs) So I would circle back to your second question and even get back to the question rather than getting to your answer. Like, why do people avoid wisdom? You, I think you answered well with like wisdom often comes with an implication to action, which means there's going to be change, which means, you know, there's often going to be discomfort. Um, but I don't think we even need to, to get that far into things for things to be questionable there. And I think it also depends on the kind of wisdom that you're talking about. So in my head, I'm splitting wisdom into two camps here. One, worldly wisdom, just knowing how the world works. Two, godly wisdom, knowing how God works. Um, Which, yeah, to be fair, there's a lot of overlap there. There are, there, yeah, certainly, yeah, like for obvious the, reasons. The wisdom that we gain about creation and about how God works in and through His creation, oftentimes contains elements of both. Um, but things like, I don't know, how to efficiently use swipe text on your phone—that's purely worldly wisdom um step one have an android yes yep has been there for years apple got it recently i think oh they did yep good for them no apple user that i know actually uses it though because they're all so ingrained in their their tip tapping yeah it's so much better agreed anyway um i'm setting that as an example of like there's little to no godly wisdom at all in the in how you type on your phone exactly generally i think and you could subdivide worldly wisdom even further but i think generally people like gaining worldly wisdom if it makes their life easier so like Finding out a new shortcut Okay, this is a particular frustration of mine and this is a sidebar, but I'm going to rant against Microsoft here for a second. Microsoft has a couple of handy shortcuts that allow you to paste um, above and beyond just pasting copy and paste straight up, right? Specifically pasting with unformatted text. Love that ability. As somebody who is frequently copying 
scripture passages from Logos or Bible Gateway into slides for Sunday worship. It annoys the living daylights out of me that Microsoft did not give that ability to PowerPoint. You cannot short uh, shortcut paste unformatted text into PowerPoint. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. I have not used PowerPoint in a very long time. It's annoying. It's incredibly annoying. That's um, a very niche thing to be irritated about. It, it is a very niche thing for me to be irritated about. But the fact that I know that a shortcut exists in some of their products and not on the one where it would save me a lot of time is very annoying. And I cite that as an example of um, wisdom that I gained about something worldly that made my life easier that I've held on to and has been like can I drop a to. major piece of related wisdom that I only recently found out about and I consider myself fairly tech savvy sure because everyone I've shared this with they didn't know it was a thing and it's okay so with your clipboard when you're copying and pasting things on the computer if you have a windows machine you can go back into your history and paste things from previously uh, instead of control v which is is usually paste you use windows key v and it'll bring up a little box of everything you have and you can copy whatever you need including you can pin things that you need to copy regularly so like i have a template for devotional videos for the description for devotional videos so i have that pinned so i don't have to go find it to copy it new every time i just windows v the trick is for my our windows users out there you have to turn it on first so click windows v and it'll say do you want to turn this feature on turn it on it's a game changer ladies and gentlemen and ben's smug look says he knew about it we worked in IT together for two years and you never told me, so you suck. I'm sorry. It, like, most every possible shortcut that you can use to make life easier uh, in engineering, I figured out specifically in Excel. Um, God bless Microsoft Excel. Um, but all of that to say, like, Josh has learned something this week, or relatively recently. I don't know if that was this week, I guess. Yeah, it was a few months ago. I, I've been okay. using it for a while. Okay. So Josh learned something relatively recently that made his life easier. That was worldly wisdom. He wasn't necessarily intentionally seeking it out. Oh, but... no, I very much was. I was oh, like, there's got to be a way for me to have these all just sitting around. Okay. So the internet told me. Okay. But when when you talk about worldly wisdom, what I, th and I'm not sure how solid this is. So let's, but my, what I have noticed a few times and I've noticed it enough that I, I wonder if it's well, and theologically I can say this is probably a rule. 
I think worldly wisdom is constantly playing catch up with godly wisdom. And while it matters very little in stuff like we're talking about, uh, one example I'll use to illustrate what I mean is somewhere along the line, there was worldly, worldly wisdom that said, it may, or we won't call it worldly wisdom. We'll say there was intuition that said, if a couple lives together before they're married, they can kind of test run what it'll look like. And that will strengthen their eventual marriage. And godly wisdom would say, no, you don't live together with someone before you're married. And worldly wisdom is now catching up to godly wisdom because the statistics are bearing out that marriages between people who did not live together before they're married, statistically, they tend to last longer. They tend to be more secure. Um, so, and I think another way you could describe worldly wisdom and why people are more comfortable with it is because it's something we can kind of put our hands on and say, like, we can prove this or we can show this. Um, whereas godly wisdom sometimes comes with very little justification and you're kind of just trusting God said it, so it is wisdom. Um, but I think a lot of things like over the years, as we, as we study humanity more, and as we study kind of the social sciences more, a lot of godly wisdom plays out in the real world. And it's, and for people who like Ben and myself who are in theology, we'll see some of this stuff and we're like, like this new thing psychology has found. And we're like, well, no, duh, because the Bible told us that hundreds of years ago, right? Like we've known this, we've figured this out already and worldly wisdom is catching up. But I wonder if that's part of it because worldly wisdom, we can kind of say, oh, I understand why this is. Whereas godly wisdom, sometimes you have to just take on faith. Yeah. And I, I guess it depends on how you would describe taking on faith. Cause like the things that I would describe as godly wisdom are the things that he has revealed to us. And oftentimes there's a, a way that he's revealed those things to us that provide support for it. Um, so we don't necessarily have to take just at face value that God is loving because he sent Jesus to die for us. Like that's a, pretty blatant example of that to me um and like you could kind of extrapolate that along a lot of different lines like we know god's faithful because he cared for his people israel for i wish i could remember the number of generations from uh joshua to jesus but brain um a lot a lot of generations when there was no good reason to call them his people other than they were the ones he picked right so god has displayed a lot of these things that we pick up about him the way that he operates the the wisdom that he or the the wisdom that we can gain about him and the way that he will consistently work in our lives um and we don't necessarily have to take that on faith 
Um, so here's, I think I was misunderstanding where we were drawing the line between godly and worldly wisdom, I think. Sure. Because it sounds like you're saying you're understanding godly wisdom as very, well, I shouldn't say more narrowly than I, I was thinking about it because all those are examples of wisdom about God. So God is faithful. God is loving, whatever. When I hear godly wisdom, where I was kind of expanding it to is the way God tells us to live as his people. So that that includes what we believe about God and what we know about God. But that also includes the things that he tells us about our lives that are wise ways to comport ourselves in relationships with each other. Which by the definition you're using, I think we would say that's worldly wisdom. But some of that, a worldly place is not going to get you there. As far as like wisdom and the wisdom of living ethically, if that makes sense. I think I'm tracking with you. You can feel free to correct me if you think I'm being dumb here, but well, you know, simple, simple ones love being simple. Continue. Yeah, sure. So to me, the, the outpouring of Christian life that comes from our leaning into the, the things that God has taught us um, is also kind of exampled or um given to us in such a way that we we can have some level of of proof proof's not the right word i was quite looking for but um we can run through the 10 commandments and just kind of like so have no other gods before me well no other god has proved to be quite so faithful so why why bother um do not take the uh, the name the Lord the name of the Lord your God in vain. People of Israel do that all the time. Um, it tends to not go well for them. Um, I specifically think of the example where um, Eli's sons bring the ark into battle, um, and it gets taken because they they think that just by like they think they're going to force God's hand by having it there. Exactly, exactly. Um, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It's proven that, that humans need a cycle of rest. Uh, and without it, we're far less capable. Um, honor your father and mother. Societies that have a, a good sense of uh, order and structure tend to be more prosperous and happier. Um, do not kill or do not murder. Um, Murder is bad. Don't do it. Um, do not commit adultery. Again, plenty of evidence suggesting that faithful relationships are are far stronger. Um, and, and better for, yeah. Yeah. And like, we could just keep going down the list, right? Well, and so but, is that, is that an intersection of godly and worldly wisdom or, because I mean, 
you can guess, so to to back up just a half step and maybe give you a, better, a bit better idea where my head's going to me godly wisdom is things that have been revealed to us by god yes and it speaks to how he works um hang on one sec hanging on so well and and i don't ben i don't know if he's he's probably still half listening but um all of this is to say regardless of what the wisdom is about there are different degrees of how much it affects our lives and i think because we're getting we're getting back to like why would someone actively hate knowledge or wisdom mm -hmm. and i think it boils down to how like what is the immediate felt impact of it because a lot of this wisdom that we're talking about it it's going to limit it's going to say well maybe you shouldn't do that thing even if you want to do that thing because it's mm -hmm. not real like long term it's not going to play out for you uh, mm -hmm. from a worldly perspective or from a godly perspective because he told you not to and it is wise to obey god the father almighty um whereas wisdom where it's like it doesn't really like you don't feel a burden of its impact and maybe it even short-term benefits you like so maybe or how long are people gonna like uh love being simple hate knowledge maybe it comes down to uh short-term impact and people don't like wisdom because sometimes and a lot of times the short-term impact is uncomfortable is that fair i think and there's sure there are other reasons to hate wisdom i just I, yeah no that's definitely a fair reason to hate wisdom um well like, it's the discomfort it's a fair description of a reason people use it's yeah that's your reason stop it that's yeah get wise son um i think to me one of the biggest reasons that people um would reject wisdom largely has to do with worldview and like something necessitating a reframing of your worldview because like i don't think it's that difficult for somebody to make a lifestyle change that doesn't impact their worldview on a significant level right um if i don't know if somebody came up to you with good evidence that said hey you specifically and i I'm speaking to you, the audience here, put yourself in this set of shoes. Hopefully this kind of fits your context. You specifically need to stop drinking coffee or you are going to have liver failure or something. I don't know. Um, I know we got pretty severe, but like if that fits within your worldview of um, it's good for me to take care of my body, then it's pretty easy for you to change. If you're framework includes like uh i'm gonna do what i want and you can't stop me and i like coffee then that is a much more difficult thing for you to change and i think 
like you can you can put that through the framework of uh you know what is the what are the overlying like ideologies that guide you principally in life um and if well and it can even be lower stakes than that because when when you were introducing this an example that came to mind for me is lionel messi okay okay so for for anyone who's unaware um lionel messi by a lot of people is considered the greatest soccer player in the world there are people who argue back and forth on that but he's i mean he's definitely up there no one i i've never met anyone who seriously says that he's not phenomenal at the sport okay yeah i think at this point certainly arguably the the best player in history in the history of the sport um as he's reaching a certain age, maybe not the best in the world anymore, but definitely still up there. So this man has recently transferred to the MLS. That's Major League Soccer. That's the American Soccer, well, American and Canadian Soccer League. Um, and I really, because, because Ben and I, and I don't know if you're actually in this camp or not, Ben, but we had a bunch of friends at the seminary who were like, big European soccer fans. And they're always ragging on the MLS of, oh, the MLS is it's an inferior league. The MLS is not really good. It's not quality compared mm -hmm. to the Premier League, compared to these European soccer leagues. So there was part of, because I am, I'm a homer, right? I, I love the MLS. The MLS is what I watch. Uh, Atlanta United is, is one of my favorite soccer. I mean, the jersey behind me, if you're watching the video, is an Atlanta United jersey for a player who doesn't play for us anymore. Um, but I love the MLS and I, and I thought to myself, how great would it be if the greatest soccer player ever came to the act? Cause he's still like, he didn't leave European soccer because he couldn't cut it anymore. Right. There were still multiple teams willing to sell the farm for Lionel Messi. He came to the MLS. I, I mean, there are probably a lot of reasons. One is so much money, so much money. He he gets a cut of all the Apple streaming money that go like wholesale. The MLS gets their cut, and then Lionel Messi, as an individual, gets a cut of Apple TV subscriptions with the MLS Plus. Okay, and also they promised him when he's done playing, he can have his own team and he can be an owner of a team in the MLS. So. He came over and I thought, how great would it be? Like how much of a shut up, sit down would it be if he came to the MLS and struggled? And I wanted that so badly to be the case so I could make the argument, the MLS, it, I'm not going to say it's the best league in the world, but it's a lot better than people th think it is. Um, that has not been the case. Lionel <laughs> Messi has done extremely well i i haven't been following because it grinds my gears but i i do not know that inner miami has lost since he has joined their team um in his first several games he scored several times and and i'm struggling with accepting the wisdom that lionel messi is so great and that the mls is an inferior soccer league 
because I don't want it to be. Okay, so this kind of, is it changing your worldview? My worldview is, raw. my league's the best. Let's go. And it is, it is, <laughs> the evidence is suggesting otherwise. Um, anyway, we're not, we could jump in a rabbit hole here, but we're not going to. But there's another example of like, wisdom would say the MLS is not as good. I didn't want that to be true. And now it's becoming harder and harder for me to hold on to. We're not that far behind because it looks like we're, we're pretty, pretty darn far behind. Although signing, yeah. signing Messi is a huge step in the right direction because we got a real player while he was still good. Yeah. Uh, who I chose mean, to come to the MLS. This, this is not the first time that the MLS has done that, but like. Well, most of the time they've been washed up. It's the highest profile name at the the most like still relatively skilled uh, point. Like Ibrahimovic went to went to LA a few years back, but he was terrible. He was he was not bad. He went back to he went back to Italy and was still playing well there too. Well, he did not do well in the MLS. I don't even know if he was the highest producing player on his team that year. That was more ego driven than it was skill. Yeah. But that's also Zlatan. So, um, lions do not compare themselves to sheep. Sure. Um, he said that in an interview because he listed a bunch of the best soccer players in the world and they were like, you didn't list yourself. And he's like, <laughs> I'm not going to compare myself to them. Yeah. Um, this isn't a Beckham, I will definitely grant you though when David Beckham came to LA Galaxy he was he was pretty washed. Um he was still really really good and especially compared to where the MLS was at at that point like he made some people look very silly. Um and question their though. choices. They're getting but, better. Yes. Not that um, but they're getting better. All of that is to say Josh, I think you're you're spot on with that observation. Like, there are all sorts of things that could block us from wanting to accept wisdom, and it it all it plays into you know how we've constructed our idea of the world. Um, you know, as Josh said, uh, he's a homer. He wants the things that are are in front of him to be the best available in the world. And that means if he can go to an MLS game, he wants that to be the best league in the world because that means he's getting the best bang for his buck, right? Um, he's seeing the best product available. Um, and unfortunately, it's just not true. Yeah. I'm, like I'm in that, in that particular case. League instead of the pros. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let's say minor league. I'm choosing. Yeah. It's, minor it's minor league. league. Like, there are place there are players in MLS that go to other leads, leagues and succeed. But I'm digressing so hard. Um, can, let's let's continue talking about wisdom. Yeah. So the other two things that you brought up, um, one was complacency, like. Why do we just stop seeking wisdom? Um, I think that one is more of a like change oriented thing. 
I'm happy where I am. I, I don't want to run into something that's going to make me move. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't think there's anything that I could do that would make a huge change in my life. Yada, 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 yada. Why seek out more wisdom if I don't think it's really going to bring me a big material benefit? Um. Well, that's a terrible reason to stop seeking wisdom. Because there are always things that we can be doing to improve. Um, in Bible study last night with uh, my midweek Bible study, we were talking discipleship. And um, kind of mentioned how a lot of church bodies struggle with once you hit the big, um, like life defining checkpoints in Christian education or in, in the process of becoming a full member of the church or whatever the case may be, it is very difficult for churches to continue encouraging growth when the reality is a five-year-old walking into Sunday school for the first time versus an 87-year-old lifelong member of a church, they are still called to grow. And they still have the same amount of room to grow. Yeah. Which because you say, we well, that doesn't make sense because someone who's been in, a, in the church for 50 years, they should be further along. But when you're talking about the scope of infinity. Yeah. Having five years and having 50 years, you still have infinity to go until you get to the end. Yeah. It doesn't exist because it's infinity. So yeah. no matter where you are, no matter how you've progressed, there's always the same amount of space to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, so as, what is it? I think it's Lowe's says, never stop improving. That's their slogan, I think. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I was running through uh, I don't improvement store slogans in my head. Because um, it's what? Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. It is. Lowe's yeah, is never stop improving. Okay, good. They're all, they're all really catchy. I don't um, know what Home Depot is. You can do it. We can help. Our doers get more done. That's Home Depot. I think Isn't they it... shifted it recently. Okay. Yeah. Chris Chris said it from the background with much authority in her voice. Okay. So. Um, so yeah. Still better than save big money at Menards. Huh? Oh Still yeah. Better than save big save... money at Menards. I remember buying buying lumber there for our seminary project, and we I did not feel like we were saving money. That lumber was expensive. Lumber was. That was also, yes, what, that was in April the supply of, chain. April of twenty one. Yeah, yeah, March of twenty one, somewhere in there. They do still the they most expensive point to buy lumber, so that's cool. Um. Anyway, if you're at the seminary and you're listening to this, we built the fire pit that's down by the tennis courts. That was us. Ben designed it with his civil engineering ways. We Don't give it. me all the credit. Joe Pearson and his uh, 
industrial knowledge of the world came in quite handy too. Oh yeah. Everyone who was, cause he and Quincy helped put a lot of it together. As well. Yeah. Um, in any case, so complacency, I don't know how much more we have to say about complacency, honestly. Um, we can be complacent about our approach to complacency. But I think there it is worth speaking. Like, there are always going to be other voices, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to godly wisdom. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even with worldly wisdom, like, there are so many voices out there screaming for attention and very few of them are wise. The wisest voice is almost never the loudest voice. Um, and just an example for that, look at all of the quote-unquote wisdom on healthy eating. There are so many people out there, this is how you eat, cut out carbs, do this, do that. Like there are a million, you scroll through, there's always someone pushing some sort of diet keto vegan all it's like and if you talk to people like dietitians who really actually know what they're talking about who've studied it who have looked at it they're like eat a balanced diet have a little bit of most things don't have too much of anything like it's it's pretty simple right and but that's never the loudest voice isn't just kind of eat a variety of things, make sure you get your fruits and veggies in and like nothing to not too much of anything. But that's not the voice that you see all over the place. That's not the headline you see. Um, and that's just like, I don't know if it's the people I hang out with, but I see a lot of that of the the nutrition wisdom. And it's like, and that's just an example for any given thing. There's the wise voice. And then there's everybody else and everybody else is a lot louder. You look like you have something judgmental you want to say. No, I, I think you're spot on there. Like there was a, uh, I had a friend in college who Shocker. was very loud. Um, and when we would get into arguments, which would occasionally happen because he was pretty passionate about a lot of things, he would get loud and just keep getting progressively louder. And it got to the point where... That's annoying. We would yell at him, I'm louder, therefore I'm correct, to remind him, hey, shouting louder doesn't make you win. just makes you annoying. Sometimes he would shout that at us because we'd do the same thing back because things were escalating and we didn't recognize it either. So like, there's a ton of truth in that where we just don't necessarily recognize we're listening to a loud voice, not necessarily a correct one. And that's leading us into a place of of not wisdom, but foolishness or uh, smooth brainness is... Mm, yes. Yeah. I am, Josh but, a I am but, a, but a smooth-brained ape invested yeah. in GameStop. Yeah. Hold <laughs> to the moon. I'm still so mad that I didn't invest in GameStop before that happened. 
because I do well. I don't like GameStop. Actually, they are the king of ripping off gamers. But anyway, there's a lot of nostalgia there. There um, is bringing all your pre-owned games to get like thirty cents for each one of them. Ah, uh, I would say the good old days, but they were not. Um, I think it's also kind of worth noting, though, that like in with the you have to filter out the loud stuff you also just have to test almost everything and anything and to me the biggest test is biblical does this fit in with a good christian ethic yeah um and like there might be things you hear in the wisdom of the world that fit in with a Christian ethic that also still don't pass the sniff test because they're just not true. Yeah. And what's fascinating is, I shouldn't say fascinating, it's incredibly frustrating for me, is how belligerently people will defend wisdom. And if you really drill down, where did you get, where did you learn this? Oh, I read half an article from Facebook. And you're getting like belligerently belligerent defending that quote unquote wisdom. Come now. Come on now. I think the sniff test, I think that's a great way to, to phrase it. It's just some people's noses are broken. I mean, yeah, that's fair. To me, the the sniff test is if you read something, especially like if it's a thing that's starting to um, or desires to change the way that you see the world or something significant happening within it, like one article should not suffice. Even one book should not suffice. Um, get a breadth of information. Really do your homework. Um, and then acknowledge I am not an expert on Eastern European, uh, socio-political whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, well, and, and, uh, I don't know if you were in this class with me at the seminary, but it was Shuckard who, who at one point said, if you say one thing and everyone else who's ever really talked about the subject says another thing, you are probably not the one who is right. And he was talking about biblical interpretation. He says, if you look at a verse and you read it in a different way than anyone has ever read it before, you are the idiot, not everybody else. But I think that's the same. Like if you have, if you find one article that says something and every other article about the topic says something else, you probably didn't find the diamond in the rough, the one article who was written by a savant genius. It's that's probably not it, but yeah. Yeah. You look like you have something profound to say. I really don't though. We are the simple I, ones. I think I'm just Trying not to go down rabbit holes with this stuff. 
or rants. I mean, as I yeah, we could always like we could cite an example. Um, <laughs> I could use the example that you brought up earlier. Uh, in our group of friends that knew anything about competitive soccer in the world, um, you were the only one that I think would hold the MLS to the kind of standard that you held them to prior to MLS or to Messi coming to MLS. Um, the rest I'm of us definitely would because I would. I mean, it's I'm wrong. I just don't want to be wrong. That's fair. That's fair. And I, I can see where you're coming from, but it doesn't mean that you're right. Yeah. Now, what I will contend is that for someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about, the difference for the viewer is minimal. In that, I don't watch, like, when I watch Premier League soccer, I'm not like, oh my goodness, they're so much better. They mm -hmm. might be. I can't tell the difference. So I'm going to watch. My soccer matches, not at two in the morning. That's where I'm going to finish that conversation. That's fair. And you're right. There can always be things that, that make it difficult to discern, you know, levels and things. Um, it's hard to tell that a game is moving 5% faster uh, in soccer. It's hard to tell um, when you know, one statement out of an article is false. It's hard to tell when one claim out of a hundred is false. Um, and it, it like, those are the things that can sour the wisdom, right? Um, and so I think I'm ready for takeaways if you are. Yeah, go for it. And I'm going to, I'm going to give my takeaway right off the bat here and, and say ones who don't desire wisdom or listen to false wisdom like those are categorically different to me if you straight up don't desire wisdom like that's a, a mindset thing that you really should work on and try to change because god always wants you to grow if you have a hard time discerning between bad wisdom and good, I have a lot more sympathy for you because like Josh said, there are so many more distractions. Um, and this is where I think Timothy's advice uh, is good. Like find the people in your church that are the wisest, lean into their wisdom, lean into the things that they are drawing on. Um, if you are in a position of leadership in your congregation and you are someone that people come to because you think, or because they think you're wise, um, be discerning with how you give out that wisdom, but also like apply it. People are coming to you for that reason. Um, and in all things, approach that with humility. Because none of us are God. And so as we're sifting through all of this, we have to be willing to acknowledge, hey, sometimes my wisdom is bad too. How we do? Um, I think it, I, 
I'll be honest. I, a takeaway is kind of hard for me to like distill to say if it's one thing I want you to take away, choose this. Because like I'm tempted to say just pursue wisdom, and that seems maybe overly simplistic. Um, but maybe, maybe the the takeaway I would I would put in front of people is. Um, is to follow up on Ben's and it's to say like this is one of the reasons that church is so important is to surround yourself with people who are going to speak truth to you who are going to speak wisdom to you because the problem when you surround yourself with people who don't challenge you with people who don't speak the truth or the wisdom is they're going to reinforce the foolishness and when it gets reinforced enough, you're going to stop being able to even hear the wisdom because you've been reinforced as a fool so much. So surround yourself with faithful Christians who are going to speak truth, wisdom to you, even when that challenges you. That's going to be my takeaway for you. Um, and with that, kind of wrapping up the show. Uh, That's an aggressive part. Send oh. this to your friends who might be stuck in a rut. Oh, yeah. Feel like are uh, rejecting well, advice and wisdom. Send this to your simple friends. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to say it nicer. So that oh, no, this, we're supposed to be passive-aggressive here. That's There's nothing nice about that. That's all supposed to be subtext, Josh. Well, subtext is stupid. Just say what you mean. Anyway. Need. So send it to your send if it someone to your sent this to you, they might be calling you simple but you can improve on that you can do better seek wisdom there you go um and if you uh listen to this podcast regularly subscribe just helps us kind of know what's out there uh, if you need to get a hold of us please do our facebook no. page is an option for those of you who don't know us personally uh with that Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.